Hey, everybody, and welcome back to Equity. This is Alex, and I am in Boston at TechCrunch Early Stage. So far, the event has been, if I can be so bold, something of a bop. But uh, we're not actually going to have a regular show for you. We had planned on that, but Natasha, who is in town as well for the Confab, is actually out sick. So instead of our usual rundown of all the news topics and all the themes that we kind of do, uh, it's just me today. So we'll keep it brief, but I do have a number of pretty neat things for you. Now, we're going to be back to full strength next week, but in in the meantime, we're going to roll as a pair. All right. So first up, Boston and what it's like here. So COVID obviously arrived. TechCrunch did mostly digital events for a couple of years. And this is the first time that we are back on the ground with our events crew, a bunch of the edit team. And we're in Boston and it's great. The vibes, I think, as they say these days, are immaculate. There's a lot of people here. Sessions are packed. Lots of people are networking and hanging out. There's really good coffee. I'm just overall pretty freaking stoked. And, you know, I'm a little bit late to all this because I've been talking to a lot of folks. I got to run into Ishan from Desians and Kyle from OpenView and a lot of other founders. But, you know, even though I'm late to the fact, Boston really did turn up. And I think Boston needs to get a little bit of the chip off of its shoulder. Last night, we had a uh, kind of a pre-event mixer with some speakers and some VCs and some founders. Anyways, people from the Boston crew were like, hey, you know, great that you're here, but why is TechCrunch hosting this event in Boston? And I think the real response to that is, why not? Boston is probably the third largest startup scene in the US after the Bay Area and New York. And we did early stage at SF last year and New York is impossible to host events in. And so why not Boston? Lots of good people, lots of good coffee. You know, I'm having a good time. So trends and topics of the day. Well, the good news is that people who are building very brand new companies are out and about. If you were worried about the future of very new startups after the kind of YC demo day and all that, don't be because frankly, people here are doing stuff. I had breakfast with one guy who's building a company that is two weeks old. Uh, and let me tell you, if your startup is younger than my baby, it's absolutely brand new. And the other thing that I've kind of noticed thus far in the last 24 or 36 hours up here in Boston is that people really do want to show up and hang out and do the IRL thing. They want to talk. They want to sit over the same laptop. They want to look at stuff together and just basically do human things. After a couple of years of, you know, remote events or hybrid events, I didn't know if this style of kind of like get together hangout was going to still be a thing. But I think what Boston's teaching me is that it's absolutely going to be a thing. And I think that's going to be good for startups in general. It's probably easier to sell people on working for you or your product if you can sit down with them over a cup of coffee versus a Zoom, given that none of us want to spend any more time on Zoom than we absolutely can. IRL is, as they say, B-A-C. Okay. I know how to spell the word back. And then just because, you know, you're stuck with me, I'm going to tell you what I'm doing here at the event. I'm hosting the TAM panel with Dana Grayson. She's a co-founder and managing partner over at Construct Capital. She was previously at NEA. And so I'm going to dig into um, how the most baby startups should really think about addressing their total addressable market in slides for investors, and then the best way to kind of slice and dice that so it makes sense. And I bring all this up because I'm going to actually blog it after I get off stage. So look for that over on TechCrunch in the not-too-distant future. 
Now, a couple of small news items for you. Again, we don't have the full crew today. We're not going to do our usual news roundup. But this morning, after a delay and a lot of anticipation and hype, SpaceX finally launched its fully stocked version of Starship, which is an enormous rocket that people like myself hope will take us to Mars one day. And that means it used both the upper stage and the super heavy booster for the first time. This combination of parts is over 400 feet tall, and the liftoff today was a success. The rocket went up. It didn't immediately explode. And Gerald reported for TechCrunch that its ascent was all the way to and through the crucial max Q period, which is kind of the moment of highest stress during a launch. Now, the rocket did go kaboom before it reached, I think, its goals and so forth. But Daryl said that this was actually a success. And so I want to get Daryl's take here on why the SpaceX rocket launch today was a success and not a very fiery failure. So SpaceX sets the success conditions of their tests. And for this one, the only real condition they had was that it lift off, like it leave the ground. So they were out anticipating that there was a super high chance that it would even do that. So for them to get all the way up to essentially a very high altitude, though not space proper, was a big, big step in their program. And they're going to learn a lot out of this. And they're going to go back and do another test in a couple of months. This is pretty standard across the space industry for the first flight of a rocket to not really work out exactly to your ideal, perfect, best, best version of, of how it should go. Daryl, one thing that I remember from when SpaceX was working on landing, I think it's Falcon rockets back on the drone barges, was that they knew it was going to take a long time. They knew it was going to fail a bunch and so forth. And the earliest trials were pretty messy and then they got better very quickly. Is that the same sort of progress ascent that we should expect when it comes to this new larger rocket? Yeah, pretty much, except that they've learned a lot from the process you just described. So hopefully this one will go a little bit smoother. And I think thus far it kind of has proven that it did. They got to a lot of their milestones quicker than they did with Falcon 9. So they learned a lot of lessons there, and I think that that will help them get to orbit more quickly with this vehicle, too. In other news, I'm going to buy the first ticket to Mars once they go on sale. I hope Southwest has a discount. All right, moving on. We're talking about Tesla's earnings. These dropped yesterday after the bell, and in case you don't know the numbers, Tesla's first quarter revenue came in at $23.33 billion, quite a lot of money, but below street estimates of $23.35 billion, and the company's adjusted earnings per share or EPS was a little bit of a miss. Essentially, what people are talking about here is that Tesla price cuts are weighing on the company's profits and the company's net income did decline from a year ago. I think also its free cash flow is trending down over the last 12 months. As a result of all this, shares are down. On the other hand, Tesla is delivering a lot of cars, doing a lot of solar work, doing a lot of battery work. I think you can kind of read what you want from the set of Tesla earnings that we saw, but overall, the street is disappointed and the shares are down down. And speaking about things going down, how about Meta's staffing? The company is going to once again make a reduction. News is out that the company is going to target about 4,000 people for layoffs. And I think this is part of the 10,000 layoffs that CEO Mark Zuckerberg announced back in March, many of which were tied to, I believe, what they call quote, low priority projects. And then, of course, this comes after 11,000 layoffs were announced last year in November to kick off Meta's year of efficiency. Meta is actually not the only company going through a period of layoffs. We just heard today that Insider is going to cut 10% of its staff. It's never fun to report on layoffs. It's kind of doubly crappy when there are layoffs in your industry. So someone scooped them up. And on that,
that very positive note, everybody, I have to go finish my prep for my panel. So I'm going to go ahead and kind of hang up the phone here and get back to writing my notes. But thank you all for sticking with us. Equity is back Monday, Wednesday, and Friday of next week. So right back to our regular schedule. And of course, you can follow us on Twitter. We tweet under the handle Equity Pod. My name is Alex. I work for TechCrunch Plus, and I think you are tremendous. Thanks for hanging out with us. Talk to you soon. Bye. Equity Fridays are hosted by myself, Editor-in-Chief of TechCrunch Plus, Alex Wilhelm, and TechCrunch Senior Reporters, Natasha Mascarenas and Mary Ann Azevedo. We're produced by Teresa Loconsolo with editing by Kel Keller. Bryce Durbin is our illustrator. Alyssa Stringer leads audience development, and Henry Pickovet manages TechCrunch audio products. Thanks so much for listening, and we'll be back next week.